praise to you, God, for the gift you've chosen to give. For the invitation to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And so on this first Sunday of the new year, we would listen for your spirit speaking through all the many elements of worship that we might be called, uh, convicted, uh, drawn into this way of love embodied in your son, Jesus the Christ, in whom we pray. Amen. I've shared with my congregation uh, about my 95-year-old mother who is declining significantly. She's uh, now unable to uh, rise from a chair, and so she's very, very limited. And so for the Christmas season, uh, we set out the nativity scene that's been part of my family for a number of years in the house I grew up in. It had the place of great honor in our house, which meant, of course, over the top of the TV console. <laughs> and it was a traditional Mary and Joseph in the, in the nativity, in the, in the manger, and the shepherds, and the sheep and cows, and, and the wise men, and the Campbell, the whole group gathered together. And I set it just a few feet from her, and it's kind of lit, so it's uh, always shining. And, and uh, she meditates on it. She just sits and looks at it. My mom was a lifelong Sunday school teacher, devout Bible student, and she just looks at this major scene. And when we come to see her, she recites the story to us. She tells us. Now, you know that Mary and Joseph had to leave Nazareth and come down to Bethlehem, and Jesus, there was no room for him in the inn, and so he was born in the manger, and and so that's why the shepherds are there. They, they heard the angels singing. And then there are the wise men who came and brought their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And then one of the wise men got them an apartment so that they didn't have to live in that nasty barn anymore. <laughs> really? And I realize, actually, that's a more practical gift than gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Although one tradition has it that Mary and Joseph, in fact, sold the resources given to the Christ child by the Magi, the wise men, in order to fund their trip uh, as they had to go into exile in Egypt because Herod, of course, wanted to kill the baby Jesus because he was a threat. Gold and frankincense and myrrh are symbols, of course, of the Magi's life. They aren't just treasures out of the treasure chest. They're really expensive tools out of their toolbox. They were magi, from which we get the word magician. Don't think of just sleight of hand people, but those who um, used symbols and, and uh, events and, and cantations to try to speak to a mystery bigger than this world. In fact, uh, the magi are also called the wise men, because they were about wisdom. They were about the wisdom tradition. The job of the Magi was often to be that person who helps the king or the ruler, the caliph, um, understand the bigger picture and to see the bigger picture, but also to have a, a modicum of humility in the midst of their leadership. And so the Magi would have been a keenly important group. I think it's interesting that in our culture, for some years, uh, we changed the wise men into the three kings. As if the culture we live in is more 
comfortable with kings than we are with wise people, prophets, people who can help us see the mysteries of life more clearly. And so the story is told about these magi coming and offering to this human and divine one with their camels, which we assume is their mode of transportation, in the background. They're there not just to strike a familiar pose like the Heisman Trophy pose or like the raising the flag at Iwo Jima pose. You know, we see this scene of the, of the, the nativity. But their purpose was not just to strike a pose, but it was to remind us 2,000 years later, that God is bigger than just our tradition. That the gospel is about uniting their lives into all that Jesus came to represent, which is the power of love to transform the boundaries that we human beings create. These magi, these wise men, would have been outliers, meaning they're speaking a different language, from a different culture. They eat different foods. They surely dress differently. But they're invited in, in fact, welcomed in to bring their gifts and lay them at the feet of this one who represents unity and harmony and love. It's really quite an amazing story. You might almost call it liberal, but it's in the Bible. It's right there. It's a story inviting us to see the bigger frame of God and to awaken us to the strength of love that is able to transform the ways of the violent and the greedy and the paranoid and the power abusers and to say once and for all, we're not playing that game anymore. Herod wanted them to play that game. This was Herod's game. Herod's game was survival at any cost. Herod wanted the Magi to play his game. Herod always does. Then and now. For Herod lives today, you know. Herod represents the status quo, the way it's always done, been done. Herod represents civil religion that presumes the divine right of kings or corporations or whoever is in power. That's Herod. Herod represents all of that that keeps the power and retains the power. Herod doesn't bow to authority. Herod doesn't question authority. Herod is the authority. And Herod, of course is threatened by the possibility of a rival king. The Magi come, innocently asking, where's this one who has been born the king of the Jews? For we've seen this star at its rising, and Herod is threatened. King of the Jews? I'm the king of the Jews. What do you mean, king of the Jews? And so Herod entices the Magi to snitch on the baby's location. Go find him, and when you find him, send me word so that I too can go and pay him homage. Now, snitching would have been the Magi's practical option. 
maybe the smart option. You don't want to mess with a guy like Herod who already had killed his family members and his close friends. This guy is not someone to be uh, trifled with. So on the one hand, you don't want to mess with Herod. On the other hand, you might be able to parlay this into a little power for yourself. You know, you come alongside power, you can get a little power yourself. So if they go back and tell Herod, hey, here's where he is, well, maybe there's a little something in it for them. But there is a point in every person's life, including your life, You've had this moment when you realize that what may seem to be the practical option or the wise option or the best option isn't your option. Something in you, and I'm going to name it as God, something in you says, go home by a different road. That's what Matthew said of the wise men, of the magi. But having been warned by an angel in a dream, they went around Herod and went home by a different road. That is to say, in the words of Robert Frost, they took the road less traveled, the less popular, the less populated, the less powerful road. They chose a course, or maybe, maybe they might even say, we were chosen by a course that represents for them a new beginning, a radical new beginning to stop the games, to stop the contest and the competing and every man and woman for itself and my religion's better than your religion and to be called into this global movement of love and harmony and oneness, oneness with all of creation with the creator, the mystery, and with every individual creature who lives on this planet. Well, today ends the Christmas season. It's time to go back to work in earnest for many of us. No more of that short work week that many of us had last week. To go back to work in earnest or back to school or back to our routines We realize, like the Magi, we have to go home. We can't stay there at the the crib and just goo-goo with baby Jesus from now on. Life has to be lived. It can't be lived in holidays or in theories or up in our heads, but it has to be lived on the streets and in our offices and in your schools, in your classrooms. So we take down our Christmas trees. We'll take this one down this week. We'll pack away our nativity scenes and we'll get back to life as usual. It's sort of like what we do here in church. We do this ritual and then at the end we say, we end this form of worship to begin again the worship that is our very lives. And so, on this first Sunday of the year, the question posed to you and me is the question that was posed to the Magi long ago. Which road are we going to take? Are we going to take the road of Herod, the road back to Jerusalem, the road of power and fear and manipulation and greed? 
Frankly, that's the wide road. It's the easy road. It's the road most people travel, even good people. Or will we choose to go home by another road? A road that is lighted by this human and divine one who welcomes everyone, who loves everyone, who includes the magi when they come from the east and the shepherds when they come in from the fields and people like you and me as we come to this table today, hungry, ready, asking. Glory to God for the light, and for the road. Amen.